Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. So I have to confess something to you about my life. As you guys know, um, part of my story is that I grew up poor. And as my wife has reminded me lately, I still suffer from PTSD once in a while. And uh, part of that is this kind of season. The reason is, is that I have a tendency now uh, to kind of go a little overboard. And so uh, we had guests in a week or two ago, and um, they you know, obviously are looking around and stuff. And we went down to my basement, and we have, uh, we, we have a un- or it's a finished basement, but it's unfinished because it started to collect our stuff. Do you, anybody can relate to that? You're just like, that's an area where I know I could use it, but man, it's just got stuff. So that was what was going on. And so I thought to myself, man, Thanksgiving's coming. And uh, so this is where I went overboard. Christy's, um, Christy's away, and I run over to Target. And so over at Target, I, I buy a small uh, mountable TV, you know, so, and I bought a TV mount. So I'm like, the kids need to play video games, you know, if, they, if I wanted to have a room. So I decided I'm going to build this room into like a fun play zone for the kids. And the problem is, is that I'm not even all the time thinking about my kids. I'm thinking about little Tolly. I'm like, what would little Tolly do? <laughs> if the nine-year-old me had my wallet, <laughs> what would happen? And so I end up, so I end up and I get a TV and we've got, all, we already had a foosball table, but I wiped that down and got it ready. And then I went and bought this like five-in-one big tower game where you can shoot, uh, you can shoot darts at it and you can throw footballs and baseballs. You can do hockey. You can do all this stuff to it, but it's this big tower. And so then I, I'm, I've got all these boxes open and, and I start to, um, um, to put all of this stuff together. We have a TP tent down there. I bought a dartboard. If you guys like darts, we can hang out. Um, so I got a legit dartboard now in the basement. So, it's, it's, so I guess it's kind of a mix of man cave and kid cave, but we'll see what happens. But, but so with all of that, I just realized like um, I, I extravagantly love my kids. And I can do it, so I want to do it. And I, I want to um, be a blessing. Now, I'll also tell you, just because there's some of you that'll start to be like, oh, this is, I'm going to judge him. This is who he is. This is how he t- does his kids. No, you don't know me. Back up, yo. So the, I also spend a ton of time with my kids. I also talk to my children ridiculously well. And I, we also have very strong discipline in our house. Uh, and we, and I also, here's the deal. I also repent to my children. My wife will tell you that if I have, uh, been, been too hard or if I have done something wrong or I misjudged, they will hear, I'm sorry out of me. But, but so in all of that, I love to bless my children. And, um, the scripture tells us that if, if we who know how to love our children, bless our kids, how much more does God want to bless us and not just give us a stone or a snake, but genuinely wants to give us blessing. And I got to thinking, even this Thanksgiving, as we head into Christmas and everything that's going on, um, part of the reason that I want my children to be blessed is not only for their benefit. Um, There are time after time after time, I want my children to learn how to be a blessing to others. Um, A recent example, I I told you a few weeks ago about a, a young lady from... Um, Rwanda that goes to my daughter's school and um, recently my daughter came and asked could we reach out to her family and so we've moved kind of beyond hey I don't know how to 
talk and ask questions to now we're like friends and we're hanging out at school. Like, hey, I noticed that this young lady is, is uh, walking home. She's a walker within a mile of the school. And um, so we, my daughter said, hey, could we maybe take her home so that way she's not in the cold? And those kind of moments, and we reached out. We wrote a letter to the family. The, the mom called us back, and we've made arrangements now to, to help this kid out in the, the snow and the rain and stuff like that. But, but it's that moment when my child begins to understand the gift of blessing to others, it's that moment that I know that my blessing is getting through. Does that make sense? It's not the moment that I blessed my daughter that matters most. Because hopefully we would all kind of just take care of our children. But it's the moment that my daughter begins to be a blessing to someone else. It's the moment that my son begins to be a blessing to someone else. Then I can say, okay, that was worth it. Because they, they, they didn't just suck it up. They didn't just become isolated. They weren't all about themselves. They're beginning to see the joy of both receiving and giving blessing. And, and I share that with you because today as we transition and we make this shift, sometimes for some people, Black Friday becomes like a sea-do where you're zoom, 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 thank God, thank God, thankful, 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 Black Friday sale, whoop, and then we go straight into greed. And if we're not careful, we're going to have a month of inundation over our lives about what we need and what it's about us and how we're celebrating. And, and it's about, about just giving gifts and receiving gifts. But what I want to encourage us to do is I want to encourage us to stay focused and say, you know what? I'm going to make sure that my heart is good and pure and right in these next weeks, but then also just in my life and in my existence period. And I'm also going to go ahead and um, give you, every year we do a, an end-of-year giving campaign, an offering. It doesn't stay in-house. And um, this year, uh, we're going to do this called um, Buildings, Books, and Backpacks. Um, buildings, Books, and Backpacks. I'm not sure if we have a, a graphic set up for it. I believe we do. Buildings, Books, and Backpacks. Now, here's the deal. What we're doing is in uh, Kenya... We have um, been blessed. There's a lot going on in our mission work over there, and I want you to be a part of it in a new way. As we do our year-end giving, um, we're going to be able to have an opportunity to come together and be a blessing um, to some people that uh, really need it. We have a school in, in Kenya where um, we have 140 children that are going to school that wouldn't have been going to school. We employ about 15 people that did not have jobs, and um, we cook for them every single day. And in this project that we've been doing, um, our goal ultimately is going to be to um, have it self-sustain. So we recently gave um, livestock to more families, and we're, we're doing things with water capture systems and all, and um, we're making it more healthy to live as an area. But here's what we're doing. We're going to add some buildings because our children that we started with, they were like in first grade. But now the kids are getting to sixth grade, and their bodies are a little bit bigger. So do you understand when, you're, when you are, are doing a school and you got a bunch of first graders, you can get away with like an 18 by 18 room or something, you know, but now the kids are kind of, they're like, hey, we really appreciate going to school here, but um, we have black eyes every day because people are knocking us with their elbows. And we're like, okay, cool, you guys are getting older, we need to build some more space. And so what we're doing is um, we're going to add two more 
um, buildings to our little campus there in Mohuru Bay. And um, we're adding a library, we're adding a space for some teachers to do some work, and then we're adding a row of classrooms so that they're a little larger so the teachers can have some space to do what they gotta do. So I'm telling you this up front because um, I don't want you to hear all the sermon and say, oh, he's just taking us somewhere. No, I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you right now where I'm taking you, and then we can receive it. And you can say, Lord, um, what is your word? Um, I also tell you up front, um, guilt doesn't play here. So if you get to the spot when you're just like, oh, I just, I'd, I'd be doing this out of guilt, like then stop, like get on your phone and go on Facebook. I, I don't want you to feel guilty. What I want you to do though, is I want you to say, Lord, um, am I convicted? Like, is there something I need to be doing between you and me? Um, guilt is from people. Conviction is from God. And so uh, guilt doesn't live here. I don't want to ever operate over guilt, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now with a punchline so that way you can get the joke. James 1.17 says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. How many gifts? Every gift. Every gift, every good gift that comes into my life and in your life, everything you could be thankful for, everything that you're praying and hoping will happen and then does happen, all of those good things come down from the Father of lights. The one that set the universe into motion. The one that, that put the stars in the sky. That one pours into you goodness and blessing. And so for you and for me, for us to ever, ever, ever be able to be grateful or, or, or thankful or generous, we've got to understand first everything comes. So all thanksgiving begins with God's giving. All thanksgiving begins with God's giving. Before you and I can ever be thankful, you and I first have had God's hand of blessing in our lives. Do you understand that? Right? So before we can ever say, God, thank you, there's been a time when God has blessed you. And so every good gift comes from Him. We have to understand this because many times what happens is we begin to act like owners when we're really just stewards. We're really just managers of whatever God has chosen to bless us with. Whatever that comes into your life that is good, it came from God. And whenever we deny that, whenever we don't acknowledge that, whenever we hold that back, whatever the goodness is that comes into our life, whenever we don't do that, we are holding back praise from Him. We're holding back worship from Him. And so we have to first begin before we ever think about what's the outcome. Like, do I ever give? To, am I ever generous? Am I ever thankful? Before we get there, we first have to ask, where's the source of all this? Where's the source of the love that comes into my life? Where's the source of the good friends? Where's the source of the good family? Where's the source of a, of a warm bed to sleep in? Where, where's the source of, of all of this stuff? Every good gift that I have. It first traveled through the fingertips of God. And if I don't acknowledge that part, we can forget all the rest. And what happens is when people come at you and say, hey, you should be giving or you should be generous. We recoil a little bit because we just go, why should I with my stuff do what you want me to do? But if we start out saying, hold on, hold on, hold on. Biblically, every good thing Tolly Wilgus has 
came through the fingerprints, fingertips of God. Then I can think about, oh, well, in that case, how different is that when me as a dad, I give my son $10 and he's up at the ice cream truck and there's a kid that comes along and just wants one sandwich, ice cream sandwich. If my kid having $10 won't give up $1, me giving him the 10 never really amounted to anything. It was wasted. Why? Because it was my money to begin with. It was my resource. It was my stewardship. And it came through my hands. That's how he got it. And it would be wasted if, if, if my child never learned how to give to others. Because it all came from me. And so it's the same principle. The book of James says that every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. We have nothing that God did not first give to us. Nothing. No thing you will ever give away did God not first give to you. We're stewards, not owners. We are blood-bought. We are God's own children. This is all basic Christian theology, but it's stuff we don't think about whenever it comes to stuff. Whenever it comes to generosity, whenever it comes to caring about others, we don't think about this, but this is all basic, fundamental Christianity thinking. It's all God's. God was generous to us. I want to walk through 2 Corinthians 8 today. 2 Corinthians 8. You can go there on your Bible app. You can open it up. Down at the bottom right, there's an events button. Hit that. Find our location, and then you'll find our notes. 2 Corinthians 8 says this. I'm going to chop it up today as I talk. We, went, we want to know you, brothers. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I'm going to let you just read that again. Read, read that again. Listen, we want you to know that by the grace of God, that has been given. So they've received grace for something. It says this, in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. That makes absolutely zero sense. To, to a person that's thinking like secular humanism. That, that makes absolute no sense. That's complete, utter nonsense to somebody that doesn't understand the grace of God. Because if you don't, if you don't understand it, the beginning it says that it is the grace of God that has been given to the churches of Macedonia. And it was the grace of God over their lives that allowed them to do something. It allowed them in a severe test of affliction, meaning while their lives were not going well at all, their abundance of joy. But I thought you just said that they were afflicted. They are. But they also have this abundance of joy. What? Get out of here. What do they do when they're being afflicted and they have this abundance of joy, but certainly they have a lot of resources? No, no, no. It says they're extreme poverty. Can I go ahead and tell you in the time that this was written that extreme poverty was pretty extreme? Our poverty level is, is ranks in the still 5 to 10% wealthiest people in the world here in the, the United States. 
So when, when they in their time say extreme poverty, they're talking about extreme, 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 extreme. We don't even understand what it looks like. But it says in all of that, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. The churches in Macedonia chose to, to partake in loving and caring for others, even though they themselves were going through it. They were going through the ringer. When it comes to your need, I want you to write this down. When it comes to your need, God's grace is always in stock. When it comes to your need, God's grace is always in stock. You know, I've learned in life growing up where I grew up and the environment I was in, um, I learned in life that there is such a thing as a poverty mentality. There, there's a mentality of someone who is poor. It's not your bank account that makes you poor. It's your mentality in the midst of the poverty that can make your soul poor. And I've seen the poverty mentality take hold of people that are in middle and upper middle America. It is a poverty mentality. But here's the thing. You and I, when we walk around as Christ followers, you and I need to understand something. There is no poverty mentality when it comes to God's grace over you. Grace is always in stock. Grace, there, there, is no, there is no lack for which you've got to go after. Do you know what these sales are for on Black Friday? The, the, the sales that are here the other day and the sales that we all jump on and the sales we all run to the store or get on Amazon, all of those sales, it's there to kind of create this idea that there is a lack. There is a finite amount of these televisions left. And if you want one of these TVs at this great price, you need to line up at 3 a.m. and act a fool. I saw this meme going around. I thought it was appropriate. It says, yo, Adrian, I got us a TV. You see, a lot of us, we, we, we go through life believing that, that, that there is a lack of, of, of what is out there for us. And a lot of us, because we think there's a lack, we have this poverty mentality when we go about being generous to other people. Because we believe, oh my goodness, this is, these are all of the, 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 the nuts that I, I can store together and I've got to hold it all together. And if I lose one or two or three, then oh my goodness, where will I ever find another one? But the scripture's saying, no, 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 no. It wasn't that the people in Macedonia had so much extra that they decided to be kind. It was that they had extra grace given to them by God. It was outside of themselves that allowed them to be kind and generous. Your generosity is not tied to your situation. Your generosity is not tied to your resources. Your generosity is not tied to your bank account. It's not tied to your credit card. It's not tied to that, that $7 cheeseburger that you ordered at the same time that you turn somebody down for $3. I can't help you. It's not tied to the amount of times we go get coffee, but yet we can't sponsor a kid. It's not tied to the, the, the amount of things that we put on credit and we're still paying for that $20 jacket from six years ago. It's not tied to any of that. It's tied to the amount of grace that you believe God has given you. And the, the idea that God will provide for me. And he simply said, be generous with what I give you. Because nothing good, Tolly, ever comes to you without going through my hands. But if it comes to, through my hands and to you, and then you do nothing with it, 
What a shame of a dad. But if it will go through your hands, and if I can turn your heart into a soft heart towards the kids that I care about in the world, towards your neighbor, towards the one that is ostracized, towards the outcast, to the one that doesn't feel like they belong, if I can tweak your heart to begin to think about the other, then my investment into you was worth it. But so long as you're asking me for a one-sided check, you're going to get stuck and your heart will get hardened and you'll begin to collect all the nuts for yourself. And you'll walk around saying, Adrian, look at me, I got us something. God is a God of grace. And grace leads us to contrast. Look what it said. It said, they, in their affliction, they had abundance. In their poverty, they had wealth. You, the, you and I, we don't focus on the contrast that God could provide. All we do is we tend to focus on the negative that's going on in our lives. And I can't tell you how many people that I meet and I talk to that they're just stuck in negative. Like they're just stuck like molasses. They can never get over whatever the, is happening on one side. I had a young lady, I've told you years ago, but I had a young lady in my youth ministry and she came and her dad was um, get, getting wealthy and they were building a business and things were clicking and they were going well. And she was just like, you know what? I'm snappy at my friends and I'm kind of finding out that I'm a little bit greedy. And what do I do? And I'm her youth pastor and I said, you know what you do? You go to your closet, you find your five best items and you give them away. I was like, that'll break that spirit like that. And she's like, I, I, I can't do that. The next Sunday, dad comes in. I want to talk to you. You told my daughter that, that, that she, she has greed and, and she needs to give, give her best clothes away. I said, yeah. Well, I don't agree with that. I said, you wouldn't. You haven't been in church in three months because you're trying to run that business. And you're teaching your family that, that you're going to collect all the nuts for yourself. Now, in the meantime, the highest grossing business in fast food is closed one day a week. And so we, we've got to get out of this poverty mentality that just says, I've got to collect and suck up and keep for myself. And we've got to say, God, I need your grace. Grace is giving more when I don't deserve it. Mercy is not getting judgment or punishment when I do deserve it, but grace is abounding in blessing when I don't deserve it. And what that means is I need to understand God's grace for me because there's other people, other children of his that need my grace over their life. They don't deserve my stuff. They don't deserve my checkbook. They don't deserve my generosity. It's not about deserve. It's about God's overflowing, abundant grace in my life that allows me to bless other people. And when I become a blessing to other people, my soul is renewed inside of me. That poverty mentality has nowhere to go. Because why? I just gave stuff away. I'm not in want. My daddy's looking out for me. And I'm not here to tell you that there's a one-to-one -one ratio. This isn't some kind of a cosmic uh, vending machine. I'm not telling you that. I'm, I don't want you to ever buy into Like if you give $5, God's going to give you 50 It doesn't work like that. But He'll break you from the bondage over that 5 And you'll all of a sudden realize, I live just fine without the 5 I live just fine without the tithe. Like I, I, I give to God and God just takes care of me. 
But so long as I'm believing that God will not answer my prayer, God will not give me what I need, God will not take care of me, then I'm saying I don't have God's grace because grace is abundant blessing over above what I need. It's not contingent on my behavior. And so I believe there's a lot of us that are living a poverty mentality spiritually because we genuinely are trying to hold as much as we can for ourselves. Instead of saying, God, you are our supply. Your pain will become your problem or your platform. Your pain will become your problem or your platform. You see, these people in Macedonia, they had every reason to just camp out on the fact that they were afflicted. They could have said, hey, bro, why are you asking us for an offering? I mean, you yourself say we're in extreme affliction. We're in extreme poverty. Why, why are you talking to us? No, that's not their heart. They said, this is going to be our platform. Since we understand what it's like to be without, we are the best people to give to those who are without. Because we understand what it's like to be hurt, we are the best people to put our arms around somebody who's hurt. Because we know what it's like to have someone abuse us, we're the best people to go out and to put our arm around somebody who's been abused. Because we know what it's like to not have a father, we're the best people to serve as a surrogate father for someone else. Or we just sit and we soak and we get angry about what wasn't done fairly to us. And so your pain can become your problem because you'll just sit there and that'll be who you are identified as the rest of your life. Or it becomes your platform. I used to go through that. I went through that. Now I'm here to help others. And I'm generous with it. Some of you, this isn't even a financial thing. For some of you, your challenge has to do that you went through a a traumatic experience. You were raped. You were abused. You were beaten. And you will not share that story with anybody. And you think you're providing yourself ointment by keeping it silent. But it's a silent killer. And what you have to do is be generous with what you went through. What you have to do is share that story with someone else and see some other little girl or some other little boy just cry and say, you understand me. And then you'll go, oh dear God, this isn't isn't just a painful problem. This is a blessing to be shared because, God, I see you on the other side of that pain. And this person over here, they're going through it. It's a blessing. It's grace. It's God. Because God is gracious, we can become generous. Because our God is gracious, we can become generous. God's grace allows us to not be tied to the things of this world. The Scripture tells us to, but the older we get, we can't help it. We collect more stuff. We have more entanglements and more relationships. And the older we get, you think the older you get, the easier it is. No, for many of us, the older we get, the more stuff we have, the more entanglements we have to this earth. And so it's, it's clingy. And we're not as free to just live as children of God. We're, we're tied to this earth in many more ways. 
And many more decisions have to be overcome before we can just simply say yes to the things God's asked us to. We go, oh, well, I'd have to talk with that person, and I can't take vacation days, and I can't give that up. And if I say no to them, I might lose that account. And, it blah, 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 blah. and instead of just saying, God, yes, we have all these hurdles that pile up. And then what it is, is we give ourselves excuses to not be a blessing. I just can't do it. I've got all these entanglements. Well, guess what, friend? You're not supposed to have the entanglements. You need to find out what is keeping you back from being a blessing that God's designed you to be and cut those strings. Because if you're not free to be a, a, a blessing on behalf of your Savior, you're not free. You're working for something else that is not the King Jesus. You're working for the promotion. You're working for status. You're working to feel good so mom and dad say that you're important. You're, you're working for something else other than, Lord, I'm yours. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll love who you tell me to love. I'll care for who you tell me to care for. I'll give to whoever you tell me to give to. I'm free. I'm free to say yes. But many of us, because of our earthly entanglements, we're free to say no because we say, eh, I'd love to, but I can't. We've got to check our hearts and just say, do I have God's grace enough to give away? Verse 3 says, for they gave according to their means. I love that as well. Sometimes we, we get so caught up on like what we're able to do, and it's not about what you're able to do. It's just about are you willing to do? And so the, according to their means meant that, that, that it's equal sacrifice. It's not equal gifts. It's not equal amounts. It's not equal dollars. It's not about having a statue for the person that gives $10,000 to something and then having like a piece of paper for those that give $5. It's not about any of that stuff. It's not about the reward you're going to get. It's just about you being faithful. And it says that even though in their severe poverty, they gave according to what they had. As I can testify, and beyond their means, it says, of their own accord. Meaning they did this without anybody pressuring them. Why? because they had God's grace in their life and it says begging us earnestly for what more money no for the favor of taking part they were begging not to receive anything they were begging and saying you know what I, I want to be a part of that blessing if God is going to bless those kids I want to be a part of that if God is going to bless my neighbor I want to be a part of that like get me in that I don't want to sit by and watch other people bless and love and give and share and have compassion and grace for others I don't want to just watch it happen I want to partake and it says they began begging earnestly for the favor of what is the favor we we hear in today's vernacular we hear the favor of God favor of God and we walk around and believe well it's just God like just touching some people on their head and just they're rich that's what we look oh I have the favor of God look at my clothes no they they were like the, we want the favor of God in serving, in giving, in being kind, in being generous we want to be a conduit to whatever God's trying to do on this planet. God's going to do it anyway. But my goodness, if I have an option of just watching God do something cool and go, man, that was cool. Or being a part of it and saying, God, wow, I saw how you used me and you changed my heart and you molded me and you made me better. Woo! But a lot of us were content just by watching Christianity happen around us instead of saying, no, 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 God, change me. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. What can I do? How, how can I help make it happen? What, what talents and resources and people and connections? What, what can I do to help make something great happen? But a lot of us, we're just content to say, ah, I stubbed my toe. I've got bills. 
I've got credit cards. I've got to get my coffee. Whatever. Like, we just make up stuff. But it says, for the favor of taking part. In the relief of the saints, meaning there was a need that they could meet. And this, not as we expected. Meaning the people asking didn't say, hey, we expect you to do all this. No, no, no. It was the grace of God that did it. But they gave themselves. I want you to see this. The best part of the message. But they gave themselves first to the Lord. And then, by the will of God, to us. We give God our self before we give away our stuff. We give God our self before we ever give away any stuff. Generosity that comes by compulsion is not generosity. That's a stick up. That's why I've never tried to operate as a pastor. And you guys that have been with us for years, you understand. I don't get up here and talk about resources very much. But I do when it comes down to the heart matter. Because here's the thing. We have to give ourselves to God first. We have to say, God, I'm surrendered to you. Because don't you remember we're blood-bought? He got up and he died and we prayed this prayer and we said, Lord, I, I, because you died on that cross for me, you have paid my sin debt and I am yours. So we're blood-bought. But we have to give ourselves over to God before we will give away our stuff freely. The Scripture goes on, Accordingly, we urge Titus as he had started so that he could complete this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Meaning it's not just about the money. It's about all this other stuff. It's about, it's about your faith. It's about your speech. It's about your knowledge and earnestness for the Lord. It's about receiving the love that we have for you. See that you excel in this too. I say this not as a command. Meaning you can do what you want to do. You can do what you want to do. But here's the thing, but to prove the, by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. If you're jotting notes today, write this down. Genuine love costs. Genuine love costs. If you've been married more than 10 minutes, you understand. Genuine love costs. If you're dating and you broke up with that scoundrel, Good for you. Genuine love costs. It costs something. It ain't free. But a lot of us, we, we, we seem to walk through life and believe that love is free. That's a greedy person. It ain't free. Somebody had to pay for it. But here's what they're saying. He's saying, hey, you know what? You guys, you had these affections for the people in need. But I've sent Titus and I told him, Follow through on those affections. He said, you could do what you want, but follow through because I want them to see your earnestness beyond just telling them you love them. I don't want you to raise hands, but how many of us would say, you know what? I know what it feels like to have someone say they love me. But then when I take a step back, I realized those words were empty and it never cost them a thing. And you know what? The church of the living God does that way too much. We say we're about that life, but we ain't about that life. We say we're about that generosity, but we're not about that generosity. We say we're all about love, but we're not really all about that love. Because why? Love costs something. Words are nothing. Words are empty. Words are useless. My wife and I talk often about just different people and circumstance. 
and I have a, a pretty high discernment. And sometimes we'll meet somebody and I'll just be like, they'll be like, oh, wow. People around will be like, oh, man, there's, they're really, man, they do a lot. There's, they seem like they're always loving people. And I'm like, I'm not impressed. Well, what, what do you mean? Why? Because I didn't, I didn't hear where anything was real. I just heard a lot of wishes and good wishes and words. But their life doesn't show somebody that's sacrificing anything for the people around them. They're, they're not charitable. They're not giving. They're not really loving. They're just talk. They're saying they're loving because they want you to love them. But real love costs something. And you should look at somebody's life and say, hey, I see how they're pouring their lives out for others. Last set of verses. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for our sake, what did He do? He became poor. So that you, by His poverty, might become rich. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you. A year ago, you started not only to do this work, but desire to do it. So now finish. Finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it might be matched by your completing it out for what you have. For it is, and this readiness is there. If the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he doesn't have. Meaning, you can't do anything about what you don't have. You're not accountable. Let me tell you, you are not accountable for the money you don't have. You are not accountable for the time you don't have. But you are accountable for the money you do have. You are accountable for the time you do have. And I really believe a lot of us are going to get to heaven and we're going to be like, God, I really wanted to do more. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to heaven and, and try to bluff God. I, I don't want to get to heaven and have to try to lie to God. Oh God, I really wanted to do more. God's going to look at me and say, you lie. You're lying. I know what I gave you. Because why? What was the first verse? Every good gift, every perfect gift comes to you from the Father of lights. So God knows what He's given you. God knows what He's put in your hands. True faith is found in the follow-through. True faith is found in the follow-through. Talking means nothing. Faith is found in the follow-through. So this Thanksgiving... How will we follow through? I want to tell you how this works. Somebody asked me, um, our CGI team, we're talking this weekend. We had a meeting on Saturday. And um, I said, hey, this will be the week that I go ahead and I ask the church to start thinking about making pledges for. In a few weeks, we're going to do a, um, we'll give you a pledge card. And um, we'll, you'll have options to where you can say, okay, I believe God's asked me to do X, Y, Z. And I, it doesn't matter to me, honestly, what happens. Here's why. Um, we know what God has asked us to do, um, but it's not on me to do it all. And so um, Mr. Ray, one of our elders, trustees, he said, Tolly, how, how's, how is it going to work? So I decided to write it down for you. Here's the two-step plan of how this works. The pastor's job is to present the need and the word. The people's job is to pray and obey. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? So here's the pressure for me. I go to my wife. Hey, babe, we need to pray. We need to decide what God is asking us to give. And then in our family, she writes the checks. So I say, hey, 
okay, that's, that's what God has told us to do. And after that, I'm good. Well, but what about meeting and eat? Well, we know as a team, the people that are in this church that God has asked to, to lead this effort, we know what we need right now. And we're not being dumb. We're not, we're not trying to ask for half a million dollars. Like we're just saying it's an end of year thing above our regular stuff. If we all pitch in, we've, we've got a need. So the need right now, and we can go above it, that'd be awesome. But the need right now is $10,000. And so some people in this room could write, half a, write a check for half of it. Some of you, if you wanted to, you could tap into something you've been holding back and you can be like, okay, here you go. But the point is for all of us to do something. The point is for all of us to not compare to each other, okay? The point of all of us is just to simply go to the Lord and say, Lord, every good thing I have came through your hands. And my pastor has showed me that there was even the, the, worst, of the worst in terms of poverty. They were generous because they had your grace. So God, will you give me the grace to know exactly how I can help? And would you give me the ability to not compare myself to anybody else, but to just simply be faithful? So Lord, um, as I go this week, I'm going to be going and listening for you. And would you help me to know what I'm supposed to do? It's not my business about what other people do. It's not my business about other people's spending or other people's not spending. It's only my business to talk to you and say, God, give me the grace to be generous. And you tell me the, the part I'm supposed to play. And then in a week or two, you're going to get a card. And you guys know this about me. I don't do these messages and try to get you emotional and, and then just say, here, do it now. I, I don't do that. But what I do is I say, hey, this is who we should be as a people. Go talk to God about this. And then let's come back as a people and let's all say yes to God. Whatever he told us to do. And I think if we all do that, I really believe. And here's the thing. Uh, we'll send this out this week to everybody on our database because um, folks are away for the holidays and stuff. But I think when we all do that, I think we'll be able to celebrate something cool at the end of the year. We'd be like, that's really cool, God. Like you showed up in a big, big way. And I believe all of us, we're going to get the joy of being faithful. Because you're not responsible for what you don't have. You're only responsible for what you do have. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.